Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete number 194 is brought to you by Dummy, the web series. Starring Joe Dallow, written by Joe Dallow, directed by Joe Dallow, and also starring Izzy Diaz. Dummy is the story of Sammy and Donnie. One is a dummy, one isn't. Maybe they both are. Gotta go check it out. It's a funny, original new web series. Two episodes in. Go to YouTube.com, search Dummy the Web Series, so you can subscribe to the channel and get the newest episodes. All right. Now time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam. Pete, number 194. Nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. Episode number 194, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and somewhere in Manhattan, embedded in Manhattan. He's in Manhattan. He's not in New Jersey, Manhattan. Uh, the Bishop Big Donut. Uh, hi, welcome to the program. I am the aforementioned Sam Pete. This is Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Uh, this is episode number 194. We're going to be talking New York sports. Nice. This is so nice. This one. Uh, it's no big deal. I have a cup of coffee, have a glass of wine. Uh, we're just going to sit. We have so much to talk about tonight. It's ridiculous. So thank you for joining us on the program. Once again, our episode partner is Dummy, the web series. Go check that out on YouTube.com. Also, go to RTUSports.com. We have a redesign. Ask us about our redesign. I'm having T-shirts made, boys. Uh, once again, Goodwill Hunting, our <laughs> our IT guy. Uh, has redesigned the website. It looks fantastic. It's a perfect repository for the podcast now. Uh, you can subscribe to iTunes, to the YouTube channel. I dropped a YouTube clip today, you guys. Um, so go check that out. www. Do we need that anymore? Is it 1997? We don't. RTUsports.com. Go check that out. Uh, it has everything you could possibly need for the podcast. Subscribe. We're having fun with this now, and we're going to have a lot of really good guests on continually. We had Dom Cosentino a couple weeks ago for the Jets. Um, there's a chance we may have a guy named Sebastian Arcelis, who's uh, on House of Cards and now Madam Secretary. Uh, I've been talking to Sebastian. Hopefully, he's going to come on the show soon. He's a very big Met and Jet fan. So hopefully he's going to come on. PJ has a celebrity friend. He's trying to get on the show. He'll tell us about that later. So go check out RTU Sports. Okay. Hi. Welcome to the program. I'm Sam Pete. It's Thursday. It's October the 2nd. Let's bring in the co-host. The guy whose Kel. name... 
is first he just we're sitting here getting ready for the show. We're on Uvu. Uh, we're in a video conference call, so we can all see each other. I can see these guys. And as I'm getting ready for the show, I'm doing the wild and crazy guy dance, which, by the way, is just ridiculous. Like, I, I encourage you, wherever you are, to just do the Steve Martin wild and crazy guy thing. Like, stand up and do it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if you're looking at yourself doing it, like on a video conference, it's ridiculous. How is that a funny sketch? How does that... It's just Dan Aykroyd and... And so I was doing that just to loosen up. And uh, Cal held up this baseball card locker, baseball locker that you hold your baseball cards in, something you get when you're 12 or 13. And he still, uh, maybe 8 or 9, still some reason, for some reason has that in his basement. And that's what he holds up to the camera. So I get a look at this. I'm doing the wild and crazy guy. Cal, can you please uh, come in here? Come in. Come here. Come here. Hope everyone's doing well tonight. I know I am. I have decided I'm not going to talk during the Cal intro music from now on. It's just too big. Oh, I did. That, that must have been in my mailbox again. Yeah. I didn't get the memo. Check your RT right mailbox. It. Yep, check, check your right RT mailbox. Hi, buddy. Hi. How, How are, are you? I'm, I'm, I am fired up. You're fired up. I know you are. I am brimstone. I know. I, am, I know. I am sports brimstone. My microphone is on fire, and I have to step away from it, but I have like this pose around it. Right. And they uh, they just took a, a 360 camera angle of me. We need to think of a new name for the show tonight. You're wearing sunglasses, obviously. I'm wearing sunglasses, which is out of character. A black That's leather jacket. How fired up I am. I'm wearing a black leather Jets jacket. Oh, like the old eight ball jackets? Remember those? Yeah. I'm wearing one of those. Right. So I'm So I'm badass. Like I'm a badass disc jockey. I'm a, yeah. shock, I'm a shock sports jock. But right. you could tell it's sports because I have a Jets eight ball jacket on. Well, we don't know what you're going to say. Nobody knows what I'm going to say. That's the best part about this. It you're on the go, edge of your seat. It could go a lot of ways. And we do. We need a catchy. Ready to unload is great. It's a great name for what's going to happen tonight because I am ready. And you're going to unload. And I'm going to completely unload. Or about, explode, the, about, maybe. The, about the Jets, about the Mets. I am, I am going to lose it. I can't wait. I can't wait for this, Steve. So, well, put yourself together. <laughs> I can't wait. You've got me all fired up. I can't wait. I want to uh, – we're going to get there. Uh, so we can keep the name of the show. Actually, tonight the name of the show works as like an SNY um, – you know, like on sports night, it works uh, a sports desk. What, what is it? Sports, sports desk. Sports nighty desk. Sports desk night. <laughs> SNY Sports Talk. Talk place. <laughs> SNY Highlight Package type show. And they have the face-offs with Mark Melusis and Sal Licata, or Mark Melusis and any of the Ian McInerney or any of the other 13 people that they've rolled out there to face off with Mark Melusis. Um, and they all have these terrible names. We've talked about this before. I think Ready to Unload works for this tonight. It does. I think it works. And I, I still like the opening seg- segment. It would be RTU Brushback. 
the brush back. <laughs> Should I give the brush back now and you're tease gonna it? Come, you're going to come high and hard. Up and in. RTU up and in. I'm going to RTU in your kitchen. And is that too inside baseball? In your kitchen? In your uh, in your head, in your face. In your <laughs> in your grill. Up your nose. I, with the rubber hose. Yeah, well, That's the well, pre whatever we can call it whatever we want. Call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you what you want to call it because it's gonna happen and you can't just, stop it. Just okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. You but you started this. You got me all fired up. Welcome to the program. It's been a week. One ninety four is going to be hot action. Been waiting for this because I've been, I've been dying to hear what you have to say. I we were just let's bring in the bishop because he's here. He might. He looks like he might be busy. He's uh, no, he's, he's got two phone lines working. Oh, I thought he was on the phone conducting business. No, and and here we are again, yet more original music. This is the Bishop's new intro song. I love this song. Operators are standing by. That's what he looks like. Like it's a telethon. You look like a time Right. <laughs> like call now and, and make your pledge. We have dozens of celebrity uh, people on manning the phones tonight. Uh, PJ Cachopo, the Bishop Big Donut from the RTU. Is it RTU? It's RTU. It's RTU. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be helping out tonight. He's one of the producers of uh, of the RTU podcast. There he is. There's PJ. He's sitting right next to Nipsey Russell. <laughs> he is. He's right. He's right there with uh, with Paul Bettany and Lawrence um, Henderson. No. Why are we putting this telethon in 1978? Because that's how I imagine. Oh, okay. Can we put it, let's put it today? Give me the celebrities that are there today. Rickles. <laughs> Rob Schneider. <laughs> There's PJ's up there with with Maya Rudolph and Rob Schneider. Kathy Griffin is of course here. Don't you want to donate? Of course you want to donate. Oh my God, you want to donate? Let me tell you a story about the Shields. That's Didn't think good. I had a Kathy Griffin in the uh, in the repertory. Did you? The repertoire. An impression. Is that the impression. first instant impression of the new season? It is. <laughs> and, and if you had Kathy Griffin in the pool, <laughs> congratulations. I've oh my Kathy God! Let me tell you a story. <laughs> Let me tell you about Brooke Shields' boobs. They're fake. Okay. That's how. What? That's what she does. Isn't that what she does? Isn't that her thing? No? It is. She's, a, yeah. she's irreverent, that's for sure. She tells tales on people. That's what she does. She tells tales from the D-list. Har, har, she har. Tells, she tells celebrity stories. She hangs out with celebrities. She gets dirt on them, and then she says it on stage. This is her thing. Can you tell I have a little problem with Kathy Griffin? Mm, no. I, you know what? Go on. Until just now, I never knew this. I, I thought you were fine with Kathy Griffin. I don't have a huge problem. It's not a huge problem with her, but she just did a WTF, right? I and heard it. Yeah. She went on, and it was good. It was interesting. But she went on and on about how she's not a stand-up. She has no talent. This, that, and the other thing. And at some point, you sort of, when somebody protests that much, you want to be like, "Yeah, you, you kind of don't." Oh. Your thing, your thing is. Your thing is kind of like telling stories about celebrities. 
and bagging but, on celebrities. Yeah, but she's wittier than a TMZ type person. Absolutely. See, I think she's talented. I'm saying I don't like when somebody does that, like protests over and over. Oh, you know, I'm so untalented. So I had to just find my thing. I had to find a thing and a niche. And if I, you, you are talented. You have storytelling ability. You're obviously a solid performer. And you have the guts to say these things on stage. Yeah. What was the great Joan Rivers quote, right? Right. Joan Rivers passed away. I thought tremendously underrated comedian um, and talent. And Joan Rivers said, I say things that everybody's thinking and doesn't say. And that's why I'm funny. Mm. And, and and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that was the general quote. And I think that's what Kathy Griffin does. In a way. I, hey, look, let's not make RT 194 about Kathy Griffin. Let's not do well, Only one person here is making coming. it about Kathy Griffin. <laughs> And folks, if you think he's passionate about Kathy Griffin right now, you have no idea what's coming. That's right. You have no idea what's coming behind the Kathy Griffin talk. It's going to get so real in here. Ready to unload 194. I was apparently ready to unload about Kathy Griffin. It could have been anybody that we talked about. You would have just ripped them to shreds. (laughs) PJ could have brought up my son. Oh, you want to talk about Wesley? Fine. Talk about coloring. I mean, inside the numbers, inside the lines. Uh, you know, who's teaching this kid? What am I paying for? Well, I'm not, I'm not paying. I'm not paying for anything. He's in Universal Pre-K. Ghost, Ghost City of New York. Oh, you're one of those, That's right. That's right. Excuse That's right. us. That's right. It's a great Excuse job. Excuse us, the Mr. Nose. Rockefeller. <laughs> Did we just have another nose reference? I don't. I don't. And I do we need? Do we need to bring with a rubber hose? Yes. What I paid so that my kids could learn triangles and circles from a fat lady. I don't even want to talk about. Was the fat lady singing? She did sing to them, yes. Did she sing at the end of class? No. See, that's where she screwed up. It wasn't over. That class was ending. It wasn't over when the fat lady sang. It was just getting started. It was just getting warmed up. Completely mm-hmm. backwards. What we, we were just talking about, uh, right before we came on, the uh, I was born on a day, but not yesterday. And what was the one you said, Cal? I was born at night, but not last night. Not last night. I feel like there's like there could be nine of those or ten of those. Hey, listen, buddy. I was I was born under a sign, but it wasn't just born. Hey, don't don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. That's that's a different one. That's not. We're not doing that. Oh, I thought that was oh. part of Judge Judy. I was Judge Judy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pee on my leg and tell me. Who it's... incidentally is sitting right behind PJ? Look, it's Judge it's Judy. Judy. She's there. She's taking calls as well. If you call right now, one of our celebrity uh, uh, celebrity volunteers will be happy to take your donations. Uh, it's Judge Judy Shyland. D- Judy, thank you so much. It's Judge, Mister. <laughs> okay, Judy, no problem. That's fine. <laughs> PJ, I think, was hoping to get sat next to Pam Anderson. She's yeah. not, she's not she's here. Not there. Robert Klein <laughs> did did one of the best uh, encapsulations of Judge Judy in just one line. He <laughs> said that Judge Judy is terrifying. 
<laughs> she says, let's hear from the plaintiff. And the plaintiff comes up and says, Your Honor. And then she cuts him off and says, pull your pants up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole show. It just needs to, it just throws you, it just throws you right off. Pull your pants up. What's the matter with you? Can somebody please explain to me, okay, we're going to start a new segment. Later. <laughs> Later. And, right. and I, want, I want you guys to think about this. It's who's watching this? That's the name of the segment. Who's watching this? And I'll name a That's show. A, and yeah. you, tell me, you tell me the demo. And you've got to be really specific. Like, who's watching this? Judge Joe Brown. Who's watching this? Oh, I got that one already. Overweight, <laughs> men past 50, in the waiting room at the urologist. That's it. That's they're the all watching demo. Judge Joe Brown. And they're into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are, <laughs> yes, they all react to it. It's funny. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like this guy's got a chance. Guilty, <laughs> Judge Joe Brown. Guilty. Are they passing judgment immediately? We could do we could do a blanket for all judge shows. I don't understand Absolutely. judge shows. And and Maury. All, no, no. I can tell you exactly who's watching Maury. Easy. 23-year-old 20, unemployed actors in Los Angeles whose TVs have not arrived from the East Coast yet and only have a small 7-inch portable TV, black and white. That feels personal, that reference. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> very, very. You were twenty-three once. You provided. We talked about the the greatest Maury episode of all time. The How you doing, Marvin? How you doing, Marvin? <laughs> and Maury, me and my buddy Terry watching uh, Maury Povich, Maury in Los Angeles when our TV had not arrived from the East Coast yet on a seven-inch black and white portable TV. This is circa nineteen ninety-nine, so it's not like we were watching it online. And all we could get were two channels, and one of them had Maury. And there we are, three, three o'clock in the afternoon, unemployed. Struggling actors. Yes. What was on the other channel? <laughs> right, that we decided, well, we were into Maury at that point. You chose Maury over. <laughs> right. I think it was probably the news. No, it couldn't have been the news. It was too early. It was like three o'clock. That's, the a great, that's a fantastic question. I'll have to ask Terry that. Because we cho- we consciously chose Maury over whatever was on that other st- station. Ellen? No, she wasn't on yet. It's 99. Oprah? Sally Might Jesse? Might have been Sally Jesse. Phil Donahue? Look, if Phil Donahue was still on the air in 99, we were watching it. Judge Judy? Pull up your pants! <laughs> What's the matter with you? How you doing, Marvin? You don't, you don't know. Woman, woman came on Maury. You don't know me. Sat down in the chair, looked right at Maury, right in the face, and said, "How you doing, Marvin?" It's tremendous. So she, so she addressed Maury Povich as if his name was Marvin. That's correct. That's that's what's funny about it. And I told you that Maury Povich looked like at his producer, like off camera. <laughs> I think, I think, I think he pointed to the big Maury sign behind her. <laughs> Anyway, um, we should we should play Who's Watching This later. Yeah. Because I don't get the judge shows. I don't know. Who is watching the court shows? <laughs> Your example was very specific, PJ. <laughs> I've lived it. <laughs> that guy's, yeah, like that guy's got a chance. 
I'm sitting in a waiting room and I can tell you're lying. Jeez. Let me tell you something, Judge Joe Brown. I was born on a day. It wasn't yesterday. That guy is guilty. That's the right. best part of PJ's scenario is the guy that says that makes the comment and immediately looks around the waiting room waiting for someone to acknowledge. Absolutely. To engage in a and, conversation. And they do. There is right. a great waiting room camaraderie. Right. You know, because they're like, they're all going to the gallows, so they might as well <laughs> get along with somebody beforehand. Right. There, are time, there are times you don't want to engage. You just want to sit there and read your Red Book magazine in the waiting room, wait to be right. called, and you don't want to have to talk to anybody. And here's this guy looking around like, yeah, am I right? Am I right? Guy, am I right? And he's looking. He's working the room. And then he Even when the commercials come the on. Corner looks, yeah. There's, there's, I hate that guy. And then when he, he locks into one person, and then that's it. That poor guy is done. That's it. That's he's right. Ready. Look, I'm, he, he, I'm... he talks about everything that comes up on the screen. Cymbalta. Give me a break, Cymbalta. Jeez. He moves seats closer. He changes yeah. seats at that point. Now he sits next to you. Buddy, I'm just trying to read my Premier magazine from three years ago. A news promo comes on. <laughs> Wet weather ahead. Details at 12. Oh, jeez, this again. Ugh, I just washed my car. Dude, I'm reading DuPont Registry. Please. <laughs> or if you're in the pediatric waiting room, you're, I'm, I'm reading his highlights. Please, buddy. Right. <laughs> Please. Or Mother Jones. <laughs> That's a thing, right? There are, yeah, maybe. Something like that. There are uh, a long list Mother, of... Ex- Mother Jones, you don't usually find it pediatric. <laughs> a little heavy. I'm, I'm reading Pravda. I'm thinking of something else then. <laughs> <laughs> there is a long list of acceptable only in waiting room magazines. Yeah. Like, you, and, and you, you, I'm, please, this Newsweek from seven years ago, I am into this. Right. Okay. What, Lance Armstrong is doping? <laughs> That's news to me. I think he's innocent. And That's I think Sarah Palin. She's a firecracker. This Time magazine proves it. This family's got 19 kids. <laughs> what? Listen. And it's on two pages because they can't all fit on the one. You gotta... Yeah, of course. It's a fold-out. Fold-out. Let's never disparage People magazine, though. I will say that. No, that's your go-to in these in these types of environments. If you get your hands on a people, you're in great shape. Not in Us Weekly, though. No. That's a rag. Please, I wouldn't put that down in uh, my birdcage. Is, is, is that a disparaging thing to say about some sort of periodical? I, I usually just ask, I ask for more forms to fill out if I get bored. That's it. <laughs> you got another page for family history? <laughs> I remember some more crap my dad went through. Do you have anything in triplicate? I can do something in triplicate if you need it. I I love triplicate. Do you it need says all medications. Can I use do the I back can... of the paper? Because I take a lot of medications. How long is your program? Uh, all right, we should get to the uh, the sports. You start thinking of who's watching this for later. Okay. This music is appropriate. You know why? I'm fired up. Here it comes. I'm dropping a bomb. Hey, everybody, look out. Sam Pete's ready to unload. He just kicked the door down. <laughs> Teresa's like, what are you doing? 
Why did you just you just now you gotta go fix the door? You gotta go fix the door in our house. What are you doing? Why would you kick down the door? I thought you were doing the podcast tonight. What it what do you do? What? What is that ridiculous getup? <laughs> Where did you get a leather jet coat? You're sitting at home alone. You don't have pants on. You're wearing the leather jet coat. I don't understand. What are you? What are you doing? Why are you making Wesley film you knocking down the door? What are you doing? He's four. He belongs in bed. And knock it off. Sorry, dear. Hey. This is this is all. It's because it's about to go down. Well, I need to unload the big unload tonight. I really want to. Do, no, I'm serious, Cal. I really want to do this. I know you are in, in an organized and orderly fashion. Because I do have so much on my mind, but I gotta. Um, and I I am dying to talk to you about this. I had a thought on Tuesday. So we're gonna start with the Jets, and then we'll get to the Giants because something happened with the Giants. I have not seen media-wise happen in years. Years. In four days. Literally four calendar days. An entire narrative for a team and a fan base flipped. I've never seen anything like it. So, I want to talk about that later because it's important. But what is going on with the Jets right now? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I really do. I... This feels like three years ago, as riled up as I was with Tebow and the circus that was there and the things that Manesh Mehta was doing uh, and writing, it all sort of came back over the last two days. But I, I want to talk to you this way, Cal. I had this, and I alluded to this in our uh, RTU chat, right, with the guys. On Tuesday, I had this great thought. This is before Itzik's honeymoon officially ended and he needs to be fired stat, apparently. And, and, and guys are already talking about who's the next coach next year. Like, I had this interesting thought that I wanted to run by you. I was like, it was on Tuesday morning on my commute to work, and I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Cal about this. This team, the current Jets, Reminded me a great deal, and the situation they're in, reminded me a great deal of the 1998 Jets. And here's why. And, and, I, and I began to, I started looking on profootballreference.com and drawing comparisons and stuff. There's a ton. They went into that season in 98 with a very good defense with a lot of veterans, um, an excellent running game. They finished 9-7 and seven the year before but didn't make the playoffs. And I don't know if you remember this, Cal, but there was all the controversy. They lost on the last game of the season to the Lions. A win and they would have been in. Right. And there was a very controversial play call where they had Leon Johnson throw a halfback option pass. Uh, Yeah, not only do I remember that. Oh, no, never mind. Go on. (laughs) Nice drop in. Uh, Something else. And, uh, and and it was intercepted, and it was controversy around the interception. Like, had they had replay as they have now, it probably would have been overturned. But regardless, they had Leon Johnson throwing a pass in a you know a tight game for some reason instead of Neil O'Donnell, et cetera, et cetera. And so they went into 98 with Glenn Foley as the young quarterback who had played a few games the year before and showed some promise. And he was going to be the starting quarterback, and it was his job to sort of win. But they signed a guy to back him up, 
named Vinny Testaverde, who was probably the most interception-prone quarterback. Now, he had resurrected his career a bit with the Ravens, but um, still, when you thought of Vinny, you thought of INT. Um, and he brought in Vinny Testaverde to be his backup and his veteran assurance in case Glenn Foley flopped. Now, he had a very good running back. He had Curtis Martin. He had Keyshawn Johnson. He had Wayne Corbett. Um, he had a very solid veteran offensive line and then like a very veteran defense with guys like Mo Lewis and, you know, they brought in Pepper Johnson on that team and, and um, uh, Marvin Jones was still there. Very, very veteran defense. Uh, Marvin Washington, I think, was still there on the D-line. You know, you had Aaron Glenn in the secondary. Um, uh, James Hasty, I think, was still there maybe. Um, but anyway, a team ready to win. You know, and, and to be a playoff contending team. But maybe, you know, I don't think Parcells thought he had a Super Bowl team on his hands because he had a young quarterback. You take this Jet team coming into this year. Now, that 98 team had far more talent. But this Jet team has a lot of talent. A lot. It does. It has not been out-talented in these games. It has been out-coached and out-executed. Period. And gotten two really bad breaks. So you take this team, Geno Smith, second year, a lot of promise, played well down the stretch. It's his job to lose, but the Jets sign a backup, veteran, turnover-prone quarterback in case things fall apart. They have a very good defense. You know, Mo Wilkerson's in his third or fourth year. He's a veteran now. You have David Harris, who's a veteran. Yeah, the secondary has been a bit of a mess, obviously, but there are guys there, LaRon Landry, then you have a young player like Calvin Pryor. There are a lot of similarities. You have a very strong running game with Chris Johnson and Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell. You have Eric Decker, who is actually a lot like Keyshawn Johnson. Um, and then you have, you know, Curly, who could be like a Corbett. You have some weapons there. You have Jason Morrow, who's a much better tight end than Kyle Brady was as far as receiving the ball. A lot of similarities there. A lot of vets on the on the offensive line. Mangold, Ferguson, and you have Michael Vick in case Geno Smith fails or gets hurt. You don't want the season to be sabotaged by your young quarterback not progressing. 1998 Jets started out 0-2. They lost a heartbreaking overtime game to the San Francisco 49ers on the road. That was on Garrison Hurst's 92-yard run, if you remember, in overtime. Glenn Foley was good in that game. Um, he wasn't bad at all. It was a, you know, like a ridiculously high scoring. I think it was like 38-31 or something like that. In week two, they played the Ravens, and they got smoked. And Foley had three interceptions. And I think he got dinged up. I don't think he was injured, but I think he was hurt. And Bill Parcells pulled the plug and went to Vinny. And they still they 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 won two of their next three, but they were still two and three until Vinny got acclimated, and then they took off. And the comparisons were there for me because Parcells refused to let a young quarterback sabotage what was what he thought a playoff team. And they won the NFC. They won the AFC East for the first time in eight hundred ever, actually ever. Right, so Tuesday, I'm, you know, this is not a bad comparison, right? No? You're speechless? Oh, yeah, no, yes. 
I'm, Rex Ryan is in this position now. They're one and three. Geno Smith has not played well. Where I was going with this was Geno Smith to me should start against the Chargers. And he is. And if he has a bad half of football, Rex has to be ready to pull the plug and insert Michael Vick. Because the AFC East is now wide open. The AFC East in 1998 was wide open. The Jets went 12-4 and four and walked right through the door. So, I'm drawing all these comparisons. And then, Manesh Mehta gets a hold of Geno Smith. Everybody gets a hold of John Itzik having $20 million in cap room. And the honeymoon's over. And he's the worst GM in the history of the game. He needs to be fired. Uh, nothing on Rex. Rex is the scapegoat. John Itzik's done an awful job. This is a disgrace. Manesh Mehta tries to bait uh, Geno Smith into saying that Michael Vick would be a good spark to provide in one of the worst exchanges. Like, when a colleague of yours writes about how bad the exchange was, you know, come on. And then he writes the next day, uh, Manesh writes the next day, Geno Smith bristles under questioning about Michael Vick. Well, of course he did. It was stupid questions. It wasn't even questions. It was leading. It was leading the witness. If that was in a court of law, there would have been, like, Objection. Brian Costello at the New York Post writes an article about how Itzik's draft is a failure. Four games in, because they cut Jalen Saunders. Four games in, it's a failure. I've had it. I, I've had it. I cannot, I just, I don't want to be this guy on this podcast, Cal, but I cannot take Jet fans. I can't. You, you Use a little logic. With John Itzik. Please. Please. Three things that, that came out, and I want to get your reaction to each of them because you know what mine is. I want to hear your genuine reaction if, when I say these things. I can't fake it. You can't fake it. Okay. <laughs> Fair. This is when you go, I think it would go a little something like this. When you answer each question and like you mess up I your turn hair. around and mess up your hair, right. And then you come back and you're Elvis. And I do Jack Nicholson. Right. Number one. This is I feel like I feel like we're like jet truthers. Like with Itzik. Like there are so many misconceptions and misguided ideals about what this guy is doing perpetrated and perpetuated by the beat writers themselves. So the first one. John Itzik is trying to sabotage Rex Ryan so he can fire him. I think that's baloney. Why? Because it's just illogical. It's just illogical that the general... You can raise your eyebrows all you want at me, but the general manager of a professional sports team is not going to waste an entire year for the sole purpose of sabotaging the head coach because they finished eight and eight last year. If he wanted to fire him, he could have fired him. They didn't win the division last year. They didn't make the playoffs last year. In fact, they underperformed for three fourths of the year last year. If he wanted to fire him, he could have fired him last year. His contract was up. 
he didn't need. But <laughs> <to> set- <laughs> he just set him up to fail. His yeah. contract was up. So he's going to give him an extension and then sabotage him. He's going to give him an extension and he's going to set him up to fail now for what? Two more years now uh, out of this extension? Well, no, it sounds like people believe it's just this year. So I, apparently John Itzik has a GM for life job. Apparently Woody Johnson said, you can be here as long as you want. You don't have to win. He's got a card that says that. Yeah. <laughs> he had it made. It's right next to his Subway sandwich card. It's like, I was going to say, it's next to his Ralph's ice card. Right. Every every loss that he gets, Woody Johnson punches it. Punches right. a little ticket on there. And when he gets to nine losses, he can fire Rex. That's right. I mean, it, it, that is preposterous. Any, for anybody to even suggest that, you lose credibility immediately if you suggest that he would be sabotaging the head coach of a football team. Setting the head coach up for failure. Why? He could just fire him. It's it's almost as if if they go 6-10 and 10 this year or 5-11, and 11, it doesn't go on John Itzik's resume. It only goes on Rex's. Like, like John Itzik gets to go to Woody Johnson and be like, hey, look, I know we went 5-11 and 11 and we sucked. And I know I put the team together. But, uh, you know, Rex was coach. So, I, I, I think we're done here, right? I'll just be back in my, uh, I'll just be back in that bigger office in the corner. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, lastly, on this set-up-to-fail point, if he was setting up Rex Ryan to fail, why did he sign a $5 million backup quarterback? He could have brought. He could have left it as it was. Could have left Matt Sims there as the backup, or he could have signed any scrub for a million dollars. Anybody, Drew Stafford, anybody, could have signed any scrub. He went out and got the best available free agent quarterback on the market. But he's sabotaging this year. He's setting Rex Ryan up to fail this year by giving him a viable option for Geno Smith if Geno Smith fails. That's that's how he was punting this year. Right? He was punting this year. That's why he went and got the best available backup quarterback. Right? That makes perfect sense. It's all about next year. Is it? Is that why he spent $36 million on the best free agent on the market? The best free agent wide receiver? Because it's about next year? How about Chris Johnson? Did he spend $4 million on Chris Johnson because it's about next year? On a one-year deal, Chris Johnson. On a one-year deal. He, he wants the team to be so bad, he went inside Chris Johnson on a one-year deal the day he became available. This is a guy who wants this team to fail miserably this year, and he's setting up Rex Ryan for, for failure. I mean, come on. You sh- just... Say it. No, say it. I, no, I won't say it. I won't say use your head, and I won't say it because it's, it's not even about that. It's about the Jet fan. This is about the Jet fan. This is the Jet fan is suggesting that Idzik is sabotaging this is, this is This is about, Cal, the Jet fan, and we've said this before on the show, and I'm going to say it again. The Jet fan and the Meth fan, to a certain extent, has jumped the shark. They jumped the shark years ago. Simmons has been saying over and over again, before he got suspended, over and over, Bri, that the Jets, this, this year... I don't really believe the Jets have a home field advantage because when one thing goes wrong, they turn on their team. But it's been like that for a couple of years now. Right, but he's been saying it this year. He's never said it before. Right. 
But he's right, but it's been happening for a lot longer than And he's year. right, and it was never more illustrated or more obvious than it was last Sunday. Now, I don't expect fans to cheer when Geno Smith throws an interception. You want to boo, boo. First of all, the things they're saying to him when he's walking off the field, he should never respond back, Bri, but, I mean, you go to a game. We, how many games have we been to? We've been to a million games. We're going again in three weeks. I mean, you just you can't talk like that to other human beings. Yeah, but you can, Steve, because if you paid your hard-earned money, you have the right to do whatever you want at that game. Yeah, that's the problem, right? You do. Because you, you have the right to boo. I believe that. I believe that. You know, Geno Smith throws an interception you want to boo. I don't, but you can. That's fine. Chanting for Michael Vick after the first incompletion? I mean, come on. Come on. What is what has happened? And and then and and this goes to and you know Jet fans like this too, Bri, don't you? I feel like most of the Jet fans in my life are pretty rational. Like the only time I'm running into these Jet fans is on like Twitter or listening to them on WFAN, which I can't do anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. They're passionate, though. Yeah, they're passionate. Oh, they're passionate, and they just want to win. So can you blame them? Yes, I can. Because they're, they're, they're going about their passion for their team in a non-intelligent fashion. It says you. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's me sitting in judgment. I'm playing. I'm playing devil's advocate. No, I, you I, just, I, I, I know a lot of because I'm on your side. I, I agree with you 100. percent that, that your judge show? Is that what it's called? <laughs> devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. Devil's advocate with Judge Brian Calvi. That's it. <laughs> Says who? Says you? Well, let me put it to you this way. Dun dun dun. Devil's advocate with we'll Judge Brian right Calvi. You're not a judge, though. That's a uh, like you're. You got to be like a district attorney or something. Yeah, like that. no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just sitting in a law library. <laughs> at a at a big desk. Like Jacoby and Myers. Let me... <laughs> right. Jacoby and Myers. Right? Oh man, yellow. Have you been wrong? That's your TV show, right. Devil's Advocate, Devil's Advocate. With, with District Attorney Brian Calvey. And, be, and that's it. And we present scenarios where you can't possibly understand why something's happening. And I'm there to tell you, maybe it's you. Maybe you should think of it this way. Maybe did you're you, wrong. Did you think of it this way? And then there'll always be a, decla- a disclaimer on the bottom of the screen that I do agree with you. Right. <laughs> right. Because right. I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm crazy. The contrarian opinions expressed by by District Attorney Brian Calvey are not his, necessarily his. I'm not even a district attorney. He's playing, he's playing devil's advocate. That's the best part about it. He's I'm just devil, a, devil's advocate, the board game. <laughs> from Mattel. <laughs> like they make the they make the advertisement for the board game part of the disclaimer. <laughs> the opinions expressed by District Attorney Brian Calvey are not necessarily his. He's playing devil's advocate. You should be playing Devil's Advocate too. <laughs> New one Nintendo from Coleco. Coleco? Nintendo? Wow. What? Kahoo? 
cahoots. So um, you, you, but you understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> I do, and it's 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 the railing against. There's always got to be a scapegoat for the Jets. Like after every loss, <clears throat> excuse me. There's got to be a scapegoat, right? There's got to be a scapegoat. This week's scapegoat is John Itzik. He's had 20 games. Comes on after Devil's Advocate, by the way. <laughs> This week's scapegoat is John Idzik. $20 million in cash. A one in three record. This week's scapegoat is Jets general manager John Idzik. I, the money, the money, it just seemed like the money rolls over. Have you seen his cornerbacks? Sustained success. He's a numbers guy. <laughs> Never scouted. Had nothing to do with the Seattle Seahawks success. That's for sure. Our scapegoat tonight is general manager of the New York Jets, John Itzik. And again, he's hands in his pockets. <laughs> the curtain pulls back and he's just standing there like, what? I don't, I don't understand. What? Why am I here? What's, what's happening? <laughs> Really, I thought I was going on ESPN. This is not. Um, this is. I don't. The money does roll over. By the way, I'm going to say it again. The money. The money rolls over. You know, cause uh, Brian Costello uh, asked tonight. Every time Woody Johnson and John Itzik say the words "sustained success," I want to ask them. Don't you have to have success first? It's a good one. Um. That was good. Uh, Bry. No. No, they're setting themselves up. You're looking to achieve, you're looking, right. You're looking to achieve sustained success. Right. What you're trying to avoid is having two years where you're really good, fall short, and then RA, to borrow Joe Cap's favorite, dumpster fire salary cap-wise for the next three years. You know, or, or maybe you're trying to avoid becoming, you know, the Oakland Raiders, where you... You've tried building through the draft. That didn't work. You tried throwing money at the problem. That didn't work. Oh, and guess what? You threw so much money at the problem, you can't sign your own players. Sustained success. Can you have success while you're building for that? Of course you can. That's the hope. They were 8-8 eight eight last year with a crap roster. And a rookie quarterback starting 16 games. It just, I, I don't, so here's the other thing about Itzik. My next question would be, so you answered you answered the setting up for failure one quite well. Thank you. He failed miserably in free agency because he's sitting on 20, anywhere from 20 to 24. It depends on who you believe. If you go with over the cap, it's 20.5. 20, 20. He's sitting on $20.5 million dollars. So he failed miserably. He should have spent that money. What's he waiting for? All right. So the one that always comes up the most is Dominique Rogers Cromartie. DRC. Yeah. He, that's going to come up the most because he plays in the same stadium. Yep. He's in the same town. He's here. He visited the Jets left the Jets, went to the Giants, got a five-year contract. 
$35 million. $7 million this year he's getting paid. Yep. $7 million he's getting paid. And next year, too. Yep. Next year, when you need to re-sign Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Quentin Copels, these are guys, all these guys that you love on defense. Demario Davis. Demario Davis. All these young, talented studs in your front seven that you love and you want to keep them here for years. Where you got to pay them, right? They're going to get, if they're that good, if they're as good as everyone says they are, they're going to get paid. Where are you going to give them that money if you've given Dominique Rogers Cromartie, a guy that contemplated retirement last year, $7 million? And have you watched him play this year? He's not exactly lighting the world on fire with his cornerback play. Not terrible. What about the wide receivers, Cal? How could you go into this with just Decker? Uh, I'll ask who you wanted, first of all, because who was better than Eric Decker on the market? No, I mean, he signed Decker, but they, everybody said, well, how could he not go sign a second receiver? Okay. Who? <laughs> James Jones? James Jones. Seven that million, who you wanted? $7 million. James Jones. Right. You, you, and, you know, everybody's – is everybody okay with Jeremy Curley? Because I am. I mean, and, you, and you weren't. And I wasn't, and I was jury was out on you. I was completely wrong about Jeremy Curley. The jury is out. <laughs> wow. Next. After, right after scapegoat. After scapegoat. <laughs> this is some lineup we're putting together. This would be on, like, PAX TV, wouldn't it? We just we just figured out Pax TV's fall lineup, fall afternoon, fall, or, or Tuesday primetime. <laughs> right? On Pax TV, you definitely do an early news. <laughs> you don't do an eleven o'clock. You do a no. 10 you, news. you do a ten o'clock news. Right. So you only really have to fill two hours, two hours of primetime programming. Yeah. I'm figuring that Devil's Advocate and Scapegoat are half hour shows. Right. And the jury is out is a full hour. You think that's a full hour? <laughs> Could the jury is out be a procedural about a judge? The jury is out. The jury is out starring... Is it, well... Edward James Olmos? I have no problem with that. Can we get, can we get Oliver Platt in here? Oh, yeah. As the bailiff or as an attorney? <laughs> He's not. He's not bull. <laughs> he doesn't have to be bull. Is uh, what's his name? What was his name? Michael Shannon. No. What was uh? What was Richard Mole? Richard Mole. Michael Shannon. What, what am I thinking? Richard Mole. I Na- see. See, I envision the jury is out. I envision that the bailiff has designs on the judge's seat, but the judge doesn't know. I like it. I like it. So, we should probably keep it though, like a judge show, like oh, one no. of the the judge shows, like oh, a real, like, like a, a like a, yeah, show? like a courtroom, like a like a people's court. These are all based on Doug Llewellyn and the people's court and Judge Wapner. Right. I mean, that's the granddaddy of them all, right? The people's court. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. That's 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 you know. And then you had divorce court. <laughs> Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
pet I still remember the People's Court song, clearly. Right. Well, first you'd have the defendant, and then the doors would swing open, <laughs> and then they'd strut into that music. <laughs> yeah, that was really the the trailblazer. That's the like the first talkie. I mean, that's you know, that's James just... Jones is a 26 year old wide receiver from Oakland. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and then you know, of course, his crimes. Seven million dollars, like the stamp goes on the screen. Um, I don't, I don't. I, there, there was no one else to sign wide receiver wise to answer no, your question. No, and yeah, and and you have Curly, you have David Nelson, you you had Stephen Hill at the time. No matter what you thought of him, you had you had depth in camp. You had a second round, and you drafted three guys. Your hope was one of them was going to be good. Well, there, here, let me throw that one at you then, because okay. John Idzik had twelve draft picks. Can we just go back to – can we just finish up the point about the salary cap stuff? Just one more thing to add. This is your game. Go ahead. Well, the three cornerbacks – who were the three cornerbacks that he went into camp with? That he, he went, thought were going to be the three primary outside cornerbacks. Well, he went into camp with D. Milner. Yep. He went into camp with um, – Dimitri Patterson. Dimitri pa- – I can't think of his name. Dimitri Patterson. Yep. And he went into camp with Kyle Wilson. And – no, no – not even Kyle Wilson, because oh, Kyle Wilson apparently in his fifth year, a first-round draft pick out of Boise State, can't play outside. No, Dex McDougal, their third-round draft pick out of Maryland. Right, he got hurt. These are the three guys they were thinking were going to play the most outside, and so far only one of them has played one half of Gimpy football. So everybody makes it out like John Itzik. How could you start your season with Antonio Allen and, and, and Darren Wallace? Well, he didn't draw it up that way. The lack of depth in the secondary is awful. He brought in 11 cornerbacks to camp. 11. 11. And the three top ones have played exactly one half of gimpy football, where they were good enough to give up an 80-yard touchdown to Jordy Nelson. Well, the devil's advocate will say that he did not bring in any of the top cornerbacks that were on the market. Because he didn't overpay for them. Because he thought... He had solid enough cornerback depth, and he drafted a free agent or he drafted a rookie safety because you know those are secondary players as well. By the way, I mean think about this, Cal. If Kyle Wilson didn't suck so badly at playing outside, he's not too good of a slot corner either. But besides the fact, just stinks. He can't play outside, Brian. I know, and he's a cornerback. They're starting a converted linebacker to safety to corner over him. He is a first-round draft pick, and he's not Ray Mickens either, this guy. He's not, he's not 5'8". Kyle Wilson's like six foot and should be playing outside. And he cannot play outside cornerback. You remember when they drafted him? Oh. They had Rebus and Cromartie starting. That's and then right. they drafted this kid, That's and right. was like, wow, this is an embarrassment of riches. Yep. Can't play outside. Five years later. They're three, the three top corners, one of which was a draft pick who was already better than him, couldn't, or have not been able to play, and he still can't play outside. And think about it, if Kyle Wilson was a viable starting outside corner, then guess who doesn't have to move to cornerback? Antonio Allen who is becoming a very good safety in his own right, 
And guess who doesn't have to play every down as a rookie? Calvin Pryor, who's probably not out there to get toasted or not be in the right place four times in four games. It's a chain reaction. So you're going to kill... That's the one that comes on after Scapegoat. <laughs> now we're good. Now we got the lineup. Chain reaction. Yeah. That show is all about a series of events that lead to some sort of criminal activity. And it's brought into the courtroom, and we see the chain of events that leads to right. showing up in front of that judge. It's ripe for crossover episodes. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> then your local news. Yes. The judge, of course, on that show, Wesley Snipes. On Chain Reaction? Right. Oh, there's a judge on all of these shows, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and absolutely. a different judge on all. Right. Different judge on every show. Even Devil's Advocate with with attorney <laughs> assistant DA. You're assistant DA, by the way. I demoted you. Right. Well, because I'm not even. I'm, I have right. no law degree whatsoever. Brian Calvi is not a real district attorney. <laughs> I'm just playing that role. What do you What do you want to? You can cast yourself on one of these shows. Pick up scapegoat. Scapegoat the home game. <laughs> and next month, chain reaction. <laughs> from from Hasbro. From Parker Brothers. Um. I I I just you you're killing John Itzik for not signing you're not I'm saying he's getting killed for not signing cornerback depth when he had Kyle Wilson on the roster he's got a he's got a, a first round draft pick coming into his fifth year it go but it but it all to sign and, and I guarantee you Rex Ryan's telling him no no we're okay yeah we're okay we don't need to sign a guy like like DRC we got Kyle Wilson we got D Milner D Milner's going to be an All Pro. D. Milner's going to be the best corner in the game. That's what Rex is telling John Itzik. So the, pro- the problem I'm, I'm, is that I'm the problem. I'm done with it. The problem is that there were five or six meme veteran cornerbacks on the market. Five. Were yeah. there five? Five. Werner, DRC, Monte Davis, Monte Davis, Alfron Werner, Darrell Revis, which is never going to happen. Right. Akeem Tlaib. Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie, but that was never going to happen. They were done with Cromartie. Cromartie was awful last year. He was but it awful. Doesn't, but that's not the point when you're talking about John okay, okay. Idzik right, getting right. killed because people people will forget very quickly how bad Cromartie was last year because he didn't sign anybody. Right. right? Well, he signed Dimitri Patterson. He signed Dimitri Patterson. Turned out to be a head case. Captain Munnerlin. Yeah. Yep. No, they're out there. There's seven or eight. You're right. There were a yep. lot of guys that had names that were on the free agent market, and everybody knew well, from last year. The, most of these players have names. They had names. <laughs> they named names? There were a couple of guys that didn't have any names. Right. You, you stayed away from them, too. He did. He did. <laughs> and even those guys would be better. Right. I, I mean, that's it's, it, this whole idea of the secondary is unbelievably overrated. But that's but, the, but that's the answer as to why this is happening, is that people yeah. saw from last year that he had all of this money under the cap, and they had all of these quarterbacks on the market, and the logical assumption is he's going to use that money to buy a cornerback and bring them in. That was the assumption. It right. didn't happen because he has a bigger picture plan of how to achieve sustained success with this team. He also thought and I got to say this again, he also thought he probably had four corners 
that were going to fill two spots. I'm not even counting Kyle Wilson there because they like Darren Walls. And Darren Walls has not been bad. So he probably thought, I have four corners here to fill two spots. I have D. Milner, I have Dimitri. You know, the key to this whole thing is Dimitri Patterson. If Dimitri Patterson doesn't go nuts and go AWOL and is some sort of crazy person, we're not having any of these conversations. We're really not. Well, okay, so he he takes a hit for that. He made a mistake. He made a mistake, but I, it's... He made a mistake. Steve, he made a mistake, and that's okay. He, he can he, make a mistake. But, but did the guy have any sort of past history of this? He didn't. He had played for a number of teams, but there was, I'm, I, there was never anything like with this guy walking out and going AWOL. Yes. Well, he he made an unfortunate mistake. He's done it a few times. He did it with uh, Goodson. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had some character issue guys. Okay, fine. I'll I'll I'll, I'll call that a mistake. Yeah, because and teams do that all the time. They make mistakes on on guys. Yeah. So he's not unique to anybody else. And again, Dimitri Patterson is the key to this whole thing, because if he's playing right now opposite Darren Walls and Antonio Allen's not. Uh, you know, he has the cornerback depth there. See, he didn't lose Dimitri Patterson to injury. He lost him to crazy pants. Right. Although although he was awful in the one game that he played. He played a half his first game. I mean, you know, he, he, he would have been serviceable. He was awful in that game. He was. He got beat twice. He was serviceable. But he I've got the I've got the ch- the transcripts to prove that everybody was was. Oh, that's concerned. right. Never mind. Right. That's right. We were all worked up about Dimitri Patterson. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. mean, it doesn't mean he wouldn't have been serviceable. You're right. We, said it, we said at the time we didn't like his performance in the first preseason game. Right. Yeah. Does that mean that the guy was going to stink forever? Probably not. No, no, it doesn't. And so I'm, I'm done with the $20 million. And also, you know, sustainable success. That's a real thing in the NFL. It's the, it's certainly a real thing for the the Seattle Seahawks. It's a real thing for the Forty ers Ask the Patriots about su- sustainable success. Don't stutter when you do it either. Yeah, it's hard to say. It is. Uh, and the last thing on Itzik that I want to ask you is the draft because you brought it up, right? So he made the twelve picks. Four of them are not even with the team. Now. People that I uh, that are Jet fans that I respect a great deal differ in opinion with me with this, and I respect their opinion immensely. They're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not right. They're not right. I didn't have a problem with him making 12 picks, and I also feel like the draft is a lottery. The more tickets you have, the better the chance of cashing it in. He had four of those picks that he couldn't trade, but he did have picks that he could. And he chose not to trade up and get what was considered better players. My thinking on the draft was: you have twelve picks. If five of five to six of them become five or six of them become useful players, that's an unbelievably successful draft. If two of them become really good players and three or four become usable players or depth players, that's a fantastic fantastic draft because usually you have like six picks or seven picks and you hope that four of them pan out right you have 12 you get six i'm happy with that it's a seven round draft i mean did people have their compensatory picks or i think most the only compensatory pick that was they had a fourth round compensatory right for leron landry 
Everything else. The rest of them were six, right? The, the other three were sixes and sevens. You really think you're going to get a high-caliber NFL starter in a sixth or seventh round? No, but if we go back in time to May, the idea was he could package a lot of those picks and move up in the draft. But he couldn't package the compensatory picks. No, he couldn't. That's right. And those were the sixth or seventh round ones when you want to move up. I wouldn't have had a problem if he did that, but the fact that he didn't didn't kill me. No, but I I remember we were kind of curious as to why he didn't. I wasn't. I, I, right. Yes. We were like, oh, maybe you could have done that here. He could have done that there. Like, like we kept expecting him to for right. three days and he just, and he didn't do it. I think that's more it, Bri. I think right. we're expecting it to happen and it didn't. It right. didn't happen. It, I didn't have a problem with it not happening. And, and at the end of it, we were like, all right, so they got 12 guys. Let's see what happens. Yeah. We I didn't expect, I didn't expect out. 12 of them to make the team. They can't. There's only a certain number of roster spots. Exactly. There was the expectation that some of them weren't going to make the team. Exactly. Exactly. To call his draft a failure because four of the 12 picks are not on the roster is, is I don't think, fair. After four games? It's, it's, it's inflammatory is what it is. I, I will tell you one thing about the draft that I'm concerned about. He took three receivers, and not one of them has even remotely made an impact. That bothers me. And Jalen Saunders was bad enough that they had to cut him. You know, and I know he got picked up by the Arizona practice squad. Uh, big deal. You mean guys are on practice squads? Come on. Stephen Hill's on a practice squad. Come on. So, that bothers me. The three receivers they took, they took four, right? They took, uh, they took Saunders, Anua. Not Hill. Saunders and Ua. Um, What's his name from UCLA? It's great radio. Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. Bump, bump, bump. Uh, all right, let's take a look here. <laughs> let's see what we got. Check. Uh, Quincy Nua, Jalen Saunders. Well, I'll get it for you. Hold on. Yeah. Just fill some time. Sure. Shaq Evans. Shaq Evans is the guy. Yeah. Who got hurt. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a fourth. Either way, he took receivers. They haven't made an impact. To call his draft a miserable failure is ridiculous. To say he doesn't know what he's doing is ridiculous. And also, please, Terry Bradway is still running the draft. If I have a huge problem with John Itzik, it's that he didn't fire Terry Bradway and bring in a new scout, a new head of scouting. That's my big problem. There you go. Oh, you know, and, and he didn't do anything last year either. You know, Sheldon Richardson was lucky. You know, D. Milner can't play. Winters. First of all, Winters has been good, actually. Aside from getting beat by one move all the time, it's like a it's like a Madden thing. It's like an old Madden. Thing. <laughs> yeah, like a defensive lineman can do this one move on him, and he always lets him go by. That high, like sort of head slap and and you know swim around that uh, Tiny Nolan was talking about on Turn on the Jets or whatever. There's he, there's one move that he's susceptible to that like every defensive lineman now is like waiting, like hip pocketing until they need it. Like the the last pass of the Bears game, the guy, the defensive lineman for the Bears is like, oh, now's a good time for the head slap. <laughs> but Brian Winters has progressed apparently very well. People that I 
trust, know what they're talking about, have said he's been very good. You know, and he's getting better on a week to week basis. Whatever. I I'm 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 they have a game this week in San Diego. They're playing a team that is very, very good against a quarterback that is fantastic. Here's how I want to end the Jets. You ready? Coach better. Execute better. You'll win games. Coach better. Execute better. Get healthy. You'll win games. You will. The coaching has been awful. Awful. And if Rex Ryan loses his job, it's not going to be because John Itzik sabotaged him. It's going to be because he has coached poorly and time is up. Can we see? Can he get a stop? Can he get a stop? Can they get a stop, Ryan? They did again last week. We've been talking about this for weeks. 17 to 10. Jets, uh, Gino just throws a really nice pass to Decker. Touchdown. Decker, great individual effort. 17-10, back in the ball game. Third and nine from the Detroit nine. He calls a cover zero man, and he has Kyle Wilson singled up with, with, with uh, Golden Tate. Good job, everybody. Cover zero blitz. Kyle Wilson singled up with Golden Tate. Great, great play call. That's brilliant. You're going to kill the Jets outside corners when this, this idiot, Kyle Wilson is terrible. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can't. If I have to hear Rex Ryan tell me one more time how good Kyle Wilson is, I'm going to lose my mind. Coach better. Don't call quarterback draws when your high-powered, ridiculously beastly running back has gotten you all the way down to the four-yard line. Give him the ball, Marty Morningway. Give him the ball. The play calling has been abysmal. The defensive play calling has been abysmal. At what point does he does he does Rex Ryan acknowledge Cal that he has maybe subpar or inexperienced corners? Never. Maybe not put them on an island so much. Never. You know why? Because he he's doing it better than everybody else. He invented the wheel. Smarter than everybody else. Yeah, but but there's but there's a reason why he why that happens, and I believe he does that for the sake of his players. He wants his players to think that he thinks that they're greater than they are. Yeah. Okay? And that's, and that's, why, that's why players all talk about how much they love playing for Rex Ryan. Everybody loves playing for Rex Ryan. He's the greatest coach to play for. I'd run through a wall for him. Yeah, except what happens when you love your coach so much? Right. Do you think maybe you get a little comfortable because you know your coach has got your back? And when you get comfortable, maybe the effort's not there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe the, effort, maybe the effort's not there. We don't see them. In, we only see the games. We don't see them in practice. And if they, and if they know that Rex Ryan is going to go to bat for them and he's going to go to the media and talk them up, there's nothing yeah. to worry about. There's no job security. Like, there's no... Fear of job security. Right. Not playing for your job. Doesn't matter. Rex loves me. I love playing for Rex. I got a good thing here. But that brings me to the other thing, Bri, too, about, you know, the decision to bench Gino. And Rex said, you know, it'll be a jet decision or whatever. And then he was like, well, that was a stupid thing to say. And he went back and he's like, no, it'll be my decision. Obviously, if it's in game, I'm not going to call upstairs. 
or whatever. But he's got – this is a pre-Itzik problem. This idea that that uh, John Itzik is uh, pushing Geno Smith has been put out there. I don't know if you've seen this, but like, oh, it's Itzik's quarterback. Itzik drafted him. Itzik was totally responsible for drafting him. You know, people were uh, – uh, you know, there was a split decision in the war room about whether they should draft him or not. There's a split decision on every player. Do you know who they run up to the podium and take? Andrew Luck. That's when the whole room goes, oh, okay, yeah, we're taking Andrew Luck. We're good. I would bet you that every other war room is divided on every player. Say that it was all his call is stupid. You're trying to prove that John Itzik is pushing Geno Smith on Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan had this problem before, before John Itzik got here. He didn't bench Sanchez either. When he should have been benched. And I'm talking even when Sanchez was like a rookie and he could have benched him and sat him down for a game after a six-interception game against the Bills. And just give him a game off. So this is not a new problem for Rex Ryan. There's nothing. I don't think it has anything to do with John Itzik pushing Geno Smith. If that's the case, why did he bring in Michael Vick? I'll say it again. If John Itzik was punting this year, and it's all about next year, and all that salary cap room is not about sustained success and the fact that three of his biggest players over the next three years are going to demand huge contracts, and he'd like to keep them together, why would he bring in Michael Vick? Like, I hate to go all caffy here, but why the two orders? If your orders are always to be obeyed and you gave the order that Santiago was never to be touched, why did he have to be transferred off the base? Why did, why did he bring in Michael Vick? He could have brought in any quarterback in the world as a backup. That was no threat to Geno Smith if that was his quarterback. <laughs> like, like, like Goodwill Hunting. You chose to be a janitor in the greatest... <laughs> Mathematical institution in the world. You know, the, the greatest uh, center of learning for mathematics in the world. He could have been a janitor anywhere. He could have been. He could have picked any backup quarterback, any scrub. They were all out there. Why is Kyle Orton not here? So, put that baby to bed. Here's what I want to see this weekend. Coach better. How about, how about we don't have five offsides penalties in our own building? How about we try that? Offsides, like three times in your own building. You can hear a pin drop in there. Start Geno Smith if he throws two interceptions in the first half and he's playing poorly, or if he has like six straight three and outs, and it's a 10 nothing game, put Michael Vick in. It's not going to kill Geno's confidence. It's not going to ruin him forever. It doesn't mean you cut him tomorrow. Like, they do understand that, right? Rex Ryan, he understands that, right? Like, if you send him to the bench, you're not actually cutting him. He actually can play again for the team. And he's signed for the next two years. I just... Not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I know. And, and he said it. He's, he's, he's steadfast in his in his plan. He's not going to bench Geno Smith. Well, not in this game, he's not. He is he not going to. He didn't actually say that. 
He said, Manesh asked him another dumb question, trying to bait him into something. And he asked it again. And Rex, I watched it. And Rex came back and said, I think he will finish the game because I think he'll play well. Right. That's not saying, and, and Manesh even said, so if he doesn't play well, he might not finish the game. And Rex just went, come on, dude. Seriously? Come on. Give me your press credentials. Get out of here. All right, enough of the Jets. Okay. No, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I want to talk about the Giants. I want to talk about you watching the Royals-A's game the other night. But I just want to say this about the Giants. Before their game against Houston, so that Sunday morning, Mike Francesa Cow was taking calls about how this is the worst team Ever the Giants are going four and twelve. When are we going to replace Eli? We got to we got to do something. Coughlin should be fired. It's time for Bill Cower. When do we call him? I mean, this was burning up the phone lines on Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning. They go out and beat Houston without Arian Foster and with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback. But by the way, this is not a knock, but has any team gotten more breaks over the last two years when it comes to injured players playing against them than the Giants? It's like every week. Every week. Uh, like they faced like five, what was it, five straight backup quarterbacks last year? Yeah. yeah. Like they're playing the Packers? Aaron Rodgers is not playing. This week against the Falcons, there's four, there's three offensive linemen out. Their three starting offensive linemen are out. I'm sorry. They're just they're getting a lot of breaks in that regard. This is not bagging on the Giants. Whatever. You play who you have to play. So they win that game, convincingly, pretty good fashion. Offense gets going a little bit. And the, the talk is still, eh, still not a good team. They beat a team they were supposed to beat. They beat Ryan Fitzpatrick. They beat a team without Arian Foster, et cetera, et cetera. Then they go out on Thursday night, and they paced the Redskins. Six turnovers. Eli has five touchdowns, has a sixth that should have been whatever. They destroy the Redskins, right? Friday morning. Four and a half days have expired. They are a Super Bowl team. (laughs) No less than five callers. It feels like 07 all, all over again. News article, or you know, newspaper articles about the Giants feeling special. Um, you know, Larry Donnell. There's a now there's a NFL uh, a NFL Network show called Finding Giants, uh, where they they take you through the scouting process for the Giants in the off season. And so it's like hard knocks essentially. Yeah. But the Giants would never do that. But that's okay. It's on NFL Network. Um and. Literally, people calling up and being feels like '07 all over again. You know, where we're, you know, Coughlin's got these guys. You know, Manning's got the. I, I look, enjoy. It's great. My observation was, Brian, can you remember a team flipping the script on their entire season so quickly? No, well, it helped that they played Sunday and Thursday. Right. That, that's what sure. That's what made it seem so quick. The entire narrative surrounding the team for their fan base and the reporters. 
and now there's you know there's good time fun stories about Antrell Roll saying that Prince of Mukamara is playing better because he's getting laid now. What? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you, oh, you didn't whoa. see this? What? You didn't see this? Classy Giants? Oh. What are you talking about? So you know that Prince of Mukamura uh, was a virgin. Was, no. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing when they drafted him and everything. And I should have known that? Yep. Um, and um, now Antro Roll came out and said, well, the reason he's off to the hot start is because he finally got laid. Because he's, having, he's ha- having sex, yeah. Okay. Right? So this became like a fun story. And then Prince of Mukamura, coming off the practice field today, said to the reporters, was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I'm getting laid, I'm getting laid. What? Yeah. No, Ralph Vecchiano tweeted it out. I don't I don't follow Ralph Vecchiano. I don't either. It was, uh, it was retweeted by one of the JetBeat reporters. Everybody's having a good time now with the Giants. Happy fun, happy fun time. But if the Jets had done something like that, I can't. What would have happened? Can't. Could you imagine? What would have happened if that was uh, Calvin Pryor? I I mean, could you could you imagine? No, I can't. That's why I'm asking. Calvin Pryor right now at one and three. Yeah, and. You know, Manash Mehta trying to bait the starting quarterback into saying something stupid. Could you imagine? And he ran off the practice field and said, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm getting laid. I'm getting laid. And dropped his pants. <laughs> I don't believe Prince of Mukamura did that. Oh. But he might as well have. This is, this is there's a double standard. There's a double standard. Script is flipped, buddy. Script is flipped. They're two and two. They are uh, they're one of the best teams in football. Well, they got a tough matchup this week against Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, your old friend Matty Ice. <laughs> Tell you me, you will be renewing acquaintances. I think the, I think the Giants win this game. I'm not even kidding. I think the Giants win this game something like 35 to 10. Oh come on! No, they 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 always handle the Falcons really really well. The the Falcons are missing three offensive linemen. It's in the it's in uh, the New Meadowlands. Uh, they're not a good road team. I think the Giants win this game, thirty-five to ten. Uh, seriously, they win this game going away. And the Super Bowl talk on Monday will be at a fever pitch. Fever pitch. So that's what you see coming. Yep. The narrative has the script has flipped, my man. Script to flip. Slip. Script flip. It's a flip script. That's on after. <laughs> script flip. <laughs> chain a chain of events. I feel like script flip would be a segment on chain reaction. I think so too. You're probably it's right. just a segment. Chain reaction or chain of events? I think chain it's chain re- of chain reaction. No, chain reaction is no good. No, you don't like chain that? of events is better. Chain reaction is an actual show. Right. <laughs> we don't have the we don't have the rights to do that. It's a game show. Yeah. No, it's chain of events. Chain of events. And it's the chain of events leading up to somebody winding up in front of Judge Wesley Snipes, which is. Um, I've forgotten what we've done now. His his Wesley Snipes' whole part in that show is like a minute. It's only like the last two minutes of the show. Like oh, the whole, quick! Oh, yeah, the whole show. The, Wesley Snipes does three minutes. He's out. Right, because they film they film them all at once, and then they just tack them onto the end of every episode. That's right. And Wesley Snipes just sits there and goes, "And that was a chain of events. That's how we got here." <laughs> he spins around in his chair. 
his his back is to you, and then he spins around. That's the chain of events. That's the chain of events. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Does he have like a super cool robe? No, it's just a just a regular black robe. I feel like he's got to have a cool robe. You think so? Yeah, like maybe with like red piping. Can you do? I feel like every you piping on a robe, on a judge's I, robe, like in the no. like in the folds at the top. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're talking about. That sounds a little bit more like a graduation gown. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe what that's you wearing. Ives is doing. He's got like a cool graduation gown on. In a cap, like a capping gown. Hey, we didn't even get to talk about the Mets. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. We don't need to talk about them. They're going to be around all winter. Yep. They've been slapping they're slapping each other's back so hard. By the way, did you see the fan poll on Mets blog? No. Oh, wow. The confidence reading, is that what they were you talking about? Yeah. I didn't see it, but I can imagine it's probably pretty high. Take a guess. On a scale of 100%? Correct. Um, I would say... And that's the chain of events. Sorry. I'm just working on my snipes. Like, every week when he spins around, he's got another, like, cause on his... Like, that's his way of promoting a cause on his on his robe. Yeah, but, but... Oh, yeah, he's got the ribbons. Yeah. But you never know until he spins around. Right. What's you he know. got this week? Right. It's, you know, it's uh, PETA. This week. Baby Seals. Right. ASPCA. ASPCA. Right. And that's w- chain of w- events. AWE. Right. And that's the chain of events. <laughs> right. Oh, Billy Ho. Chain of events. Guess the scapegoat. Guess the scapegoat. Yes. We need, advocate? A, we need a celebrity judge for scapegoat. We're going to have to have our intern go back through this episode and put together all the shows that we've now I for, Yeah, I forget, because there were four. We, 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 we programmed an entire night. Five. We may need to push the news to 1030. That's right. Definitely on PAX, though. I know, I know that that's where it is. I feel strongly about that. Guess the percentage of confidence that Met fans have that the organization is moving in the right direction. Guess. Maybe, maybe Ion TV would want this, too. Could be. Ion. It ain't going to be on Spike, say that much. It's not going to be on Spike. No. No. Not a lifetime. Us and Spike, not so much. 74%. Okay, I'm going to go card sharks on you. Higher. Higher. Come on. No, I went went high on purpose. Yep. Higher, my man. Confidence is brimming. 81%. 82%. Of Met fans who voted in this poll, and we're talking about a good number of Met fans, feel that the organization is moving in the right direction. 82%. 82. Wow. Is that, that was the question? Do you feel that the organization he runs, is, he runs all the time. Feel that the organization is moving in the right direction? Correct. Yes or no? Yep. I'd say yes. 82% of the people feel, said yes. Yeah. I would say yes. There's no chance I would say yes. I don't, I don't think it's heading in the wrong direction. I just don't think it's heading in any direction. <laughs> that was not an option. Status quo. 
Crow status. Crow status. I mean, that's their favorite. That's their favorite status. Is that another show? Of quo. Status quo. Right. <laughs> status quo. With Judge Mindy Cohen. Mindy Cohen or Mindy Cohn? Mindy Cohn. My bad. Well, why we should get Mindy Cohen. Can we get all of the Facts of Life girls? For status quo? Status quo. Judge Judge Mindy Cohn. Mindy Cohn. Are they all judges? Of course. Just four judges? But uh, uh, it has to be Judge Joe Polnicek. Can't be uh, Nancy McKeon. Yeah, it just can't be Nancy McKeon. Judge Blair Warner. Judge Tootie. Judge Tootie. Fields, Kim Fields, Tootie. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but just she's just Tootie. She's just Judge Tootie. Judge Tootie. <laughs> and Judge Natalie. I believe Natalie's last name was Green on Facts of Life. Natalie Green. I believe it was Natalie Green. We could check that. It's not important. <laughs> Status quo. Um, okay. Charlotte Ray, is she involved? She's dead. No, she's not. She is. She is not. Okay. Retract. <laughs> Ready to unload? We'd like to offer a retraction. We apologize to Charlotte Ray and her family and friends. Please play status quo the home game. <laughs> Brought to you by Activision. Um, I want to hear about your. I, I really quickly want to hear about your baseball experience the other night. My baseball experience. Yeah, you're flipping on the A's Royals game. Yeah, the American League wild card game. Yeah, the play-in play game. It's a wild card game. It's not a play-in game. It's a playoff play-in game. It's not a play-in game. It's a wild card game. It's a playoff game. Does the winner go home? Yes. No, he doesn't. Ah, I tricked you. See what I did? Next on status quo. Does the winner flip the script? It's a wild game. Flip the script. <laughs> and that's how the script gets flipped. I'm your host. Wait, but then what was the chain of events that led to that? I don't know. Ask Wesley Snipes. <laughs> the um, It's a playoff game. You're right. It's a playoff game. It's, it's a, a one-game playoff game. playoff game. It feels like a playing game to me. I know. Because the, probably... the, the loser doesn't get to have a, a series. No, but, that's, but that's, that's what made the end of the season so good, though. Yes. Because there was a lot of debate as to whether or not Pittsburgh should have held their uh, uh, Garrett Cole. Yeah. He pitched well, on Sunday. Or uh, Francisco Liriano. Right. But Cole pitched on Sunday. Yep. Well, they and were trying they, to win the division. They were trying to win the division. Exactly. But then the idea was if they, even if they won that game, they still would have had to play another game. Right. To determine. And then you didn't have Cole for that game either. So the, I, I like it. There was a lot of strategy. No, I like it too. No, no, no. I'm I think it's good. I don't like the second wild card. It just feels like a play-in game to me. Because it feels like you get the opportunity to have a series. Yeah, well, don't lose the game, all right? Yeah, and then and then you're fine. Okay. All right. Take it easy. Don't lose the game. Sheriff. Sorry. Wow. Well, it's that simple. It's it's a play it's a playoff game. It's like a game 7. It's a it's a game 7. It's like a game 7 because there's only one game. Right. It has it has all of the of the the appearance of a game 7. Without the game seven smell, right? Um, do you you enjoyed that A's Royals game? That was yeah, cool. I, I did, and and like I told you, it was it was unexpected. 
That was the best part about it. I had been watching the Islanders preseason game. Good for you. On uh, on the NHL Network. We are a mere eight days away from the Islanders kicking off their season. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I think wouldn't you say the puck drops on the season? Correct. You wouldn't be kicking off a season. No. A hockey season. Kicking is a penalty. Right. The puck drops. <laughs> the puck drops. We're going to drop the puck on the new season of the NHL. We're very excited about the Islanders. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot about them this year. You sure are, right here on this program. So, uh, buckle up. Spoiler alert. Lace up those skates. We're going to strap on the foil. Tape up that stick. That's filthy. (laughs) PJ just is blushing. Yeah. That that was the line. (laughs) That was the line. Line line. Line crossed. After status quo. (laughs) Line crossed. I mean, we have programming for days here. Entire, yeah, an entire week. We need, we need more C-list celebrities is what we need. We're running out. That's right. Check the check the uh, the tote board. Check the the volunteers at the, at the telethon <laughs> behind PJ to see if they're they're doing anything. Right, Mario Lopez. I'm El- sure he. Elsie Summers. Wait, Wait, is that a real person? Elkie Summers. Elkie Summers. That's right. Yeah. She's dead. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> yes. I'm getting the thumbs up. You got confirmation on that? We have confirmation. Okay, Summers, may she rest in peace. That's such a haphazard thing to do, though, is throw a name out and suggest that they're dead without knowing. <laughs> it really was. I feel irresponsible. It is a little irresponsible. Just, she should be pleased with the fact that we were considering her host cross the line. <laughs> she would. I think she would be happy to know that. Well, Cross the Line, I think, would be like a panel show where they discuss current events. Cross the Line. Tonight's panel, Bob Uecker. Cindy Williams. And Alf. (laughs) Any panel show we have, Alf is coming on. He's in. He's in. Lifetime contract at PAX. Lifetime. Right. Any show he wants to be on, your buddy. You. Yeah, he, yeah you, you just write the ticket, whichever one you want. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, so just going back to the game. And tonight, um, in the first game earlier on, Baltimore uh, destroyed Detroit. Oh, yeah. Three. Wow. Destroyed them. Yeah, and last night the Pirates got shellacked. Yeah, that was um, a grand slam. By uh, by Brandon Crawford. Yep. Early early on, really. And Bumgarner was was uh, filthy. Yeah, Bum, we're in touch with Bumgarner. And he but drinks a lot of beers at once. Bumgarner four. Yeah. yeah, four at once. At once. Um, did you you know what? I did not realize Jake Peavy had so many tattoos. <laughs> I did I did not know that. Did not see that coming. Right. Yeah. Thought that was weird. Didn't seem like that was sort of his thing. Jake Peavy tatted. All over the place. Think, like, I don't know where he's from, I, but he he strikes me as like a California kid. Jake yeah, Peavy. I always thought of him as a California or a Texas kid. Maybe Texas. But tats all up and down the arms. Man. On the chest, everywhere. <laughs> yep. He's he's instained now, all oh, of a sudden. He's the bass player. In <laughs> he's instained? He's instained. The band. Isn't that a band? That's a band. Yeah, and he's the bass player. It's the apostrophe D, right? 
there's no apostrophe. It's just S-T-A-I-N-D. Leave the last apostrophe off for saving? For, st- <laughs> for intelligence? Yeah, that's how it's spelled. Stained, yeah. I think. Good job by them. I, th- I, feel, I feel more comfortable suggesting that than if a celebrity was alive or dead. <laughs> I think we're safer... But the spelling of the band Stained. Taking a lot of heat for this. Aaron Lewis of Stained. All right, sir. If you say I, so. I, should I we should we break to the fun load? No, because I just want to talk real quick about the oh, I'm sorry. Players. No, well I want to hear it. Typically when a Met season goes the way that it does, I'm done after the season. I go I go to the last game every year. I, I don't exactly know why, but it's just a thing now that I do, and it's it's been happening for the last few years. First and last. First and last. I always go opening day, and I always go to closing day. First time, last time. It started um, it started with the collapses, actually. Because I went to both of those. Right. In 07 and 08. And then I think I missed one or two in between, but then the last three years, I go on closing day, and that kind of like closes the baseball season for me. Right. In years past, if the Yankees were in it, I might check in and root for the team that was playing the Yankees. Correct. But very half-heartedly. That kind of went away over the years as well. Yeah. And and I would monitor what was going on in the baseball playoffs, but I had really I moved into football mode at that point. Right. And that was kind of where I was heading this year. And the other night, like I said, I was watching the Islanders preseason game. It ended. I said, I'm going to flip on the Royals in, in A's and see what's going on. And I did. I flipped it on. I was watching it. Seven three A's, and I was doing whatever. I was just, you know, I was puttering around the house. Talked about that, right? Yes. Puttering around the house. I wasn't really. I was just kind of sitting there. Um, and then the Kansas City came back. They made a they made a comeback in the eighth inning. Yeah. And now I'm I'm into this game. Right. It's the eighth inning. Now it's seven six. They're in Kansas City, and the atmosphere in Kansas City was just off the charts. Yeah, they haven't been in a playoff game in, what, 26 years or something like that? If you couldn't get into that game, if you couldn't get behind Kansas City, you're being a fan wrong. (laughs) All right. We'll allow it. I feel comfortable saying that. Okay. Because it was just, it it was unbelievable. But Elkie Summers, you don't want to throw out there. Okay, she might be dead. She's dead. I think we're, we can move on from that. Right. So the place is going nuts. Everybody's going crazy. It's a great atmosphere. The Royals are in the playoffs for the first time in 27 years. But what it did for me is it got me excited about the playoffs. Okay. And I was watching the Orioles-Tigers game before. I'm monitoring the Royals-Angels game right now. Okay. The two National League series kick off tomorrow. The Nationals and the Giants. Dodgers and the Cardinals. I'm into it. Okay. And I wasn't expecting to be. And that's right. and that's that's the whole point of this is that's why baseball is so great. Yeah. And football, you can talk about football being the most popular sport in America, and you can talk about hockey being the most exciting sport to watch, but for me personally, baseball is in my blood. Thing like this draws it back out of me and it's right. like, ah, this is great. This is why I love baseball. Yep. So, I remember that night. That's awesome. I remember that night a couple uh, years ago, that final game of the season where the you know the 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 Rays got in and yeah, you know, and it was like that in the span night? of yeah, it was like in a span of two hours, like 
we did a show that night actually, and we both finished the show and started watching baseball in like the span of like an hour. Like everything went absolutely crazy, and you know Longoria hit a walk off home run or whatever, or a tying home run, and it yeah, was, it was just like nuts. three games going on at once, and everything was happening like yeah. That's baseball. I, I, baseball does that for me too. It does. I'm and, I'm rooting heavily against the Nats. Heavily. Heavily yeah. against the Nats. I I want the Nats out. Too sweet. I would love to see a uh, a Dodgers Giants. Uh, and I want the Cardinals out too. Enough, the Cardinals. Enough, please, please. Enough. Um, yeah, see, when you look at the National League, there's not really anybody that I'm I'm that excited about. The Giants don't bother me. I don't like the Giants. Yeah, they don't bother me. But they've been. I mean, they've been there. Yep. Too often. Yeah. Well, this would be if three in five years if they yeah. win the World Series this year. That's that's like a dynasty. Kind of enough. I mean, it'd be nice if Mattingly won with the Dodgers. That'd be nah, fine. I'm all set. Okay, good. But I think I'm rooting for the Royals and and the Orioles. I like the Royals and the Orioles. And the, okay. And the well, you know how I feel about Buck. I love Buck Walter. I yeah, I do know how you feel. I do. Buck Walter. We're tight. He's alive, right? Oh, I love alive. Him. Love him. We're gonna. Are we gonna do that one too? No, we're not. That's been done. Are you sure? Yes. Maybe not like this. <laughs> Um, let's do the fun load. Okay. Okay. Should we, should we play the music and this episode, play the music? Um, yes. All right. Uh, that does it for RTU number 194, um, the sports portion of our program. We're going to go to the fun load now. The sports portion. <laughs> we spent an hour, uh, coming up with the lineup for PAX TV. Yeah. But while we were talking about the Jets. That's true. This was the sports portion. Yes. It's, it's as sports as we get. Deal with it. Um, and so now we're going to do the fun load, which I can't find. I can't find the fun load. Where's our producer? Just right when we're going to him, we're doing that. So uh, go check out uh, com, and also download this podcast. And uh, that's it for 194. This is all true.